0: If you have your Bible, would you look at two places with me? You might want to put your bulletin or your worship folder at one place and uh, one of the inserts in another place. I'm going to begin with the, some thoughts from the first chapter of Mark, but basically my text will be John 21. So Mark 1 and then John chapter 21. Pray with me. Father, you have given to us the Spirit of God to be our teacher. All who are within the sound of my voice and saints everywhere rejoice that we do not have to depend upon men and women to teach us the Word of God. We have resident within us from the time that we came to trust Jesus as our Savior the Spirit of God his ministry is to teach us and to bring to remembrance all the things that the Savior said. May he have free reign and free course in our hearts, in our minds, in our thoughts in these moments together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. What we do at 1030 on Sunday morning is an expression of our life in Christ. Question what about monday morning at 10:30 and the rest of the days of the week is what we are doing on those days an expression of our life in christ is monday through saturday somehow different from sunday is jesus interested in what a salesman says to his customer Is Jesus interested in how a secretary or administrative assistant types letters and answers the phone? Jesus interested in how a nurse cares for those that need his or her care? Jesus interested in a doctor and how and what he does when he sees patients? What about a school teacher? Is Jesus interested in the school teacher and his or her input into the lives of students? Listen to me. To say no to those questions. No, he's not really interested in that stuff Monday through Saturday. That is to relegate God to a place of no importance in an area of life where we spend a great chunk of our waking hours. What we are probing here is the difference between your vocation, that is what you do to make a living, and your calling. That is what God has called you to be and to do. How do these two things relate? You're a child of God. God's called you to be somebody and to do something. God has called you to do that. He's also given you a vocation. How do these two things relate? Is there a blending together of these things with some established priorities? Or do we live lives that are compartmentalized, that are fragmented? I do this now, I do this now, I do this now, and what what I did over here has nothing to do with what I do over here. That's living a life that's fragmented. I somehow cannot believe that our Father in Heaven wants us to live like that. I believe God gives us our vocation. I believe God gives us a calling. And I believe the two things go together in the life of the child of God. John 21, I believe, helps us and sheds some light on these questions. When we think of the men chosen to be apostles... One vocation stands out. I don't know whether we think about it often or not. But the men who were chosen to be apostles had a job. What was it? Well, you know, they were fishermen. Most of them were fishermen. Not exclusively. But I would like for us to begin this morning by taking a brief look at what some of these men were doing when Jesus called them. I've already told you what they were doing, some of them. But I want us to take a look at it. Therefore, I'll ask you to look at Mark chapter 1 with me, please. Mark chapter 1. Now, Mark's gospel opens uh, very simply, very plainly with a prediction. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm reading Mark 1.1. As it is written, Isaiah the prophet. Behold, I will send my messenger... So there is a prediction of the ministry of John the Baptist first. Second, there is in this passage of Scripture, the person of John the Baptist. And then there is the preaching of John the Baptist. We're not going to spend time looking at all those, but I want you to notice verses 7 and 8. And that is the preaching of John the Baptist. As he was preaching, saying, and he was preaching, saying, After me one is coming who is mightier than I and I am not fit to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals I baptize you with water but he will baptize you with the holy spirit in the preaching of john the baptist john pointed not to himself but to the one who would come after him john was not reluctant at all to say this person who comes after me is more important than I am in fact i don't i don't even feel worthy to stoop down and untie the thongs on his sandals. John pointed people to Jesus. That was his preaching. That's what it was all about. That's what John was all about. Verse 9 explains that John was referring to Jesus. And it came about in those days, verse 9, that Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. After Jesus' baptism by John after our Lord's temptation, Jesus began to preach. And in his preaching, he called men to serve with him. Men whose lives he would pour his life into. Men that he would shape and mold. Verse 16 of chapter 1 of Mark. We read these words. And as he was going along the sea by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. By vocation, they were fishermen. That's how they made their living. What sales are to the salesperson, what students are to teachers, What letters are to administrative assistants. Fish were these men. That's how they made their living. Verse 17 of Mark chapter 1. And Jesus said to them, follow me. And I will make you become fishers of men. Now please, do not just think that Jesus called fishermen to make them fishers of men. He called men with other vocations to come and join him and gave them the same thing that he said to these men. I will make you fishers of men. He said that to a tax collector. Luke 5. This is an important verse. Verse 17 I'm referring to. Uh, Many people believe that these men were converted at this time Maybe. We can't be absolutely sure, for the scriptures don't say anything about the precise timing here. But this much is clear, very clear, from verse 17. Jesus intended for these men to spend part of their time fishing for men and not all of their time fishing for fish. Now, if you've got any reservation about that, please read the Bible again. He intended for these men who were fishermen to spend time being fishers of men. Verse 18. And they immediately left their nets and followed the Him. He poured His life into these men. And He taught them how to give a fishing trade an eternal dimension. And I want to tell you where I'm headed with this is I believe God does this today. He calls men and women who have a vocation, who have a way of making a living, who who, who earn their living by being good at what they do. But Jesus gives to them, when we come to faith in Christ, uh, an eternal dimension to whatever vocation we have. Spiritual ministry in our vocation. Again, not a compartmental life. This is what I do from 9 to 5 on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday's my day, I vacate, I play golf, I clean up around the house, I do repairs around the house, whatever. Sunday's just church. That's it. My spiritual vocation is no more, extends no further than Sunday. And God help us. We are living in a day when, you know, I, I believe the Bible says this is the day that the Lord has to be. And I believe if you get your chronology straight. Uh, reading through the Gospel of John, you get your chronology straight, the people worshipped on the first day of the week. They worshipped on Sunday. I had someone tell me this week, we go to church on Saturday because it's convenient. What about the pattern of the New Testament? Okay? When did convenience supersede the pattern given in Scripture? Folks, I don't believe it ever has. Now, you can say, well, preacher, you're an old fogey if you want to. And you may be right. But I'm still right in what I'm saying right now. Jesus never set out to have Christianity be convenient. And if you can show me that in the Bible, I'll change my preaching. When did Jesus ever say that going to church, that serving the Lord, that having a spiritual dimension to your vocation would be convenient? Would you show me that in the Bible, somebody? Well, you can't. You know why? Because it's not there. Now, I know some folks in, within the sound of my voice don't want to hear that, but it's the truth. These men had a vocation. Jesus called them in addition to the vocation that they had. And they left their nets and followed him. And he did give them an eternal dimension to their vocation. Other men were added. Mark 1 19. And going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were also in the boat mending their nets. And immediately he called them. They had a job, they were working, they were fishermen. He gave them a calling and immediately he called them, it says in verse 20. And they went with him. They followed him. Now, God doesn't give to everyone what is commonly referred to as full-time Christian service. For some, vocation and calling are the same. That's true of me. For others, vacation and Vocation and calling are different. And that's most of you. Your vocation and your calling are different. But here's the key. For those whose calling and vocation are different. I've said it already. I'll say it again. Your calling gives to your vocation an eternal dimension. The apostles and disciples were from different vocations. Jesus taught all of them, no matter what their vocation, he taught all of them to fish for men. And that's what they did for three years. Then what happened? Suddenly, within the matter of just a few hours, really, Jesus was arrested. He was tried in a trial that there was nothing legal about from the get-go. He was arrested. He was tried. He was convicted. He was put on a cross. He died. He was put in a grave. And a stone was placed at the door of the grave. Then the resurrection occurred. And Jesus calmed their fears. He instructed them. He did so much for them post-resurrection. But as I read over in John 21, I, I think I sense a, a despair among the disciples. Turn with me, John 21, please. Something was different. Jesus died. He, he was resurrected. He was comforted. They were comforted by the word, But something was different. So what do you think they did? What do you think the apostles did? To me, I believe they did the most natural thing in the world. They went back to fishing. That's what they knew. And it was natural. I think it was the most natural thing in the earth for them to go back to fishing. That's why John 21, I believe, opens the way it does. After these things, Jesus manifested himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And he manifested himself in this way. After what things? Well, after the resurrection. After he had appeared to these men. After he had calmed their fears. After he had given to them the Holy Spirit. And after these things, this group was together. Verse 2 of John 21. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus. And Nathanael of Cana of Galilee. And the sons of Zebedee. And two others of his disciples. They were together. And together they reached a decision. You know what that decision was? Verse 3. And Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. In spite of all of the marvelous events of chapter 20. Chapter 21 begins. And again, it seems to me the disciples had a feeling of being let down. The content of chapter 21 seems... Uh, anticlimactic to John 20. Peter says, I'm going fishing. Question. You ever been, had your feelings hurt? Been let down by a friend? Been hurt by a friend? Maybe you just want to get away. Any of you ever felt like that? I have. You just want to hang out a sign that says, gone fishing. Peter didn't go by himself. Verse 3. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. And they said to him, We will also come with you. And they went out and got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. I don't know. I've done just a a very, very little bit of fishing. And maybe those of you who have enjoyed fishing over the years, Can identify with the last part of that verse. They caught nothing. Remember now, these men were professionals. They knew where to fish. They knew how to fish. They were skilled. They knew when to fish. They knew how to catch fish. They made their living from it. So they knew what they were doing. But they caught nothing. One man referred to it as a great water haul. You know what that's like? The result's frustration. May I say to you? I believe this is an illustration that without Jesus in your vocation, ultimately, you will encounter the same result. Frustration. Without Jesus in your vocation, ultimately, you will come to a place and a time of frustration. No matter how much you love your work, unless the Lord Jesus is in it, and unless you have that eternal dimension which he wants to give to you you're going to end up just like these men at this point sometime, someplace over some reason someday it'll come I know that because not of my experience but I know that because Jesus said earlier in the gospel of John without me ye can do nothing without me You can do nothing. And I understand that word nothing in that verse of Scripture to have the widest possible application. Nothing. Look what happens. Chapter 21, verse 4. But when day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Verse 8 tells us uh, between where the boat was and where Jesus was, maybe 100 yards. Think of uh, the distance uh, of a football field. Jesus said to them, in verse 5, Children, you don't have any fish, do you? They answered. And to me, it's a very terse answer. No. Let me ask you, fishermen. When you go fishing and come home with an empty net and nothing in the boat, nothing to take home and clean fry, and somebody says, did you catch any fish today? Do you want to talk about it a whole lot right then? Answer, I think it's the same as these fellows give. No. Thus endeth that epistle. Jesus tells them how to correct that. Verse 6. He said to them, cast the net on the right hand side of the boat and you will find a catch. They, They cast therefore and then they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of fish. Listen to me. What a difference. Jesus makes. What a difference Jesus made. Caught so many fish they couldn't haul them into the boat. John figures out why this is true. Verse 7. That disciple, therefore, whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. John got what was going on. This was the Lord standing here. And he made The difference. John says it's the Lord. Would you notice what happened? Something that is typical of everything else we read in the scriptures about Peter. And so when Simon Peter heard it, that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment. Now, I don't know what they were wearing. They were, uh, they had clothing on, but they had an outer garment. And I take it that Peter grabbed that outer garment and then what did he do? He threw himself into the sea. That sound like Peter. John says, that's Jesus. Peter says, I'm gone. Verse 8 says, But the other disciples came in a little boat, for they were not far from land, but about 100 yards away, dragging a net full of fish. Finally, all of them get to shore. And I think that what they saw was one of the most incredible sights described anywhere on the pages of the Bible. 21.9 says, and when they got out upon the land, they saw a charcoal fire already laid and the fish being placed on it in bread. Jesus was concerned to spend time with his men. And he was concerned about their spiritual needs. He was concerned also about their physical needs. He had prepared breakfast for them. They'd been fishing all night and they hadn't eaten. He always provides for the physical needs of His people. He does that for us today, doesn't He? And just as He did with those men, He wanted to spend time with them. May I say to you, the Lord Jesus wants to spend time with you. And He will provide for your physical needs and then with all the fish hauled in breakfast over Jesus turns to Peter in verses 15, 16, 17 in one of the most intriguing conversations anywhere on the pages of sacred scripture for just a few moments try to put yourself in Peter's sandals they'll fit, I promise you that Maybe some of us don't have a very good track record. Maybe like Peter, we have failed. And perhaps even at a time, we have denied the Lord, just like Peter. Some of us are impetuous. Some of us are impulsive, just like Peter. Some of us are given to overstatements. And some of us are bold when we should be humble. Through Peter, I believe that Jesus is speaking Through us. He calls us by name. Would you. Instead of reading Peter. Put your name in. For his name. In verses 15, 16, 17. Peter. You put your name in. You love me more than these. See that in the middle of verse 15. Do you love me more than these? We don't know what the these refers to. It could be a statement to Peter talking about the rest of the group. Peter, do you love me more than the rest of these? It could be with the fishing equipment, the boat fishing equipment. Peter, do you love me more than these things? Peter, do you love me more than your job? Do you love me more than your vocation? Dear friends, this is the only time in all of the Bible that Jesus ever asked the same person, the same question, three times. Do you love me? And when Jesus raises the question the first time, he uses the highest kind of love. You've heard it spoken of by me and by a host of Bible teachers and your sense teacher and whatever. Agape, the highest kind of love. And that's the word that Jesus uses. Peter Do you love me with the highest kind of love? Simon Peter says, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. And the interesting thing here is Peter did not use Jesus word, the highest kind of love. Jesus says to this man, do you have the highest kind of love for me? Peter's response was using a word that means fond of. Yeah, I'm fond of you. Second question. This time Jesus leaves out the more than these. But he says, Simon, do you have the highest kind of love for me? Second time he's asking the same question. Peter answers the same way using a much weaker word. Yes, Lord, you know I'm fond of you. Again, third time. Verse 17, watch this. And he said to him the third time, Simon Peter, son of John, do you? And then Jesus uses Peter's word this third time. Simon, son of John, are you fond of me? Is the third question that Jesus asks him. And that grieved Peter. Verse says, Peter was grieved. And that word grieved is a very strong word. It's a word used of mourning at death. That Jesus would ask Peter, are you even fond of me? Peter could only reply, Lord, you know all things. Best thing Peter could say was, I'm fond of you. That even grieved him. Now, would you look at Jesus' response To each of the three questions. It wasn't harsh. It wasn't. Shame on you Peter. The best you can say Peter. Is you're fond of me. Shame on you. But Jesus never said that. Jesus said to him. Shepherd my sheep. Tend my lambs. Feed my sheep. The devil wants. Christian people to think. We have to be perfect in order to be used by the Lord. Satan is the one who wants us to think that. We tend to think, I am imperfect. I have so many flaws. The Lord can't use me at all. But that isn't true, my dear friend. Peter had failed. Peter's responses grieved him. He mourned over what he said. Peter was imperfect. But Jesus could use him and told him, feed my sheep, Peter. (laughs) My friend, you have a vocation. You also have a calling. How are these two things fitting together in your life? Have you excluded the Savior from your vocation, I am thankful because I know a number of Christian people and into their vocation, they have a very important spiritual dimension. I see some of them professionally and it's just so evident they know that God has given them a vocation but they also know that God has given them a calling. And they integrate that calling from the Heavenly Father into their vocation. Their lives are not fragmented. Their lives are not compartmentalized. I do this on Sunday. But this is my business. Preacher, leave me alone. But that's not the people that I'm speaking about. I want to encourage you to do two things, and I close with these. Be sure that your calling and your vocation are wedded together. Be sure that your vocation and your calling are wedded together. And second, This is Missions Month here at Wake Chapel Church. Not the only time that we emphasize missions, but we take this month and emphasize missions. May I urge you, with all of the sincerity that I can muster, will you be a fisher of men? Pray with me. Lord, we are an excuse-making people so often. And we can say that that, uh, spiritual dimension just doesn't fit my vocation. But God never intended it so to be. He took tax collectors and fishermen and others and taught them how to fish for men and women and boys and girls. Help us to be that kind of people world that we live in and as busy as all of us are before the sun sets this day or certainly before the sun sets tomorrow we'll have an opportunity to employ that spiritual dimension to be a fisher of men women boys and girls we'll have an opportunity to do that help us not to shirk and to shun God given responsibilities And blessings, for it is a blessing to tell somebody what Jesus has done in my life. Make of us, fishers, men. I pray and ask in Jesus' name and for His sake. Amen. I think the closing hymn this morning is the genesis for what I have encouraged what I have encouraged about the spiritual dimension to your vocation, what I have encouraged about being a fisher of men comes out of more love to the Savior. May we be so in love with Him that we can't do anything else but be a fisher for men. If this hymn is taken as a prayer and I believe what That's what the author intended. It's a prayer. More love to Thee, O Christ. May I say to you, your Father in Heaven has heard you pray that prayer. More love to Thee. I believe His heart would be pleased to help and bring answer to that prayer in your life. May God make it so. Olin Fuquay is our Deacon of the Day. Olin comes to dismiss us in prayer. And we're going to sing, God be with you till we meet again. May I just put it in a rather common way? Don't be mousy in singing that song. Put some heart in it. Put some life in it. God be with you. Don't mutter the words. You don't have to be a vocalist. But put some life in it those words God be with you till we meet again Hold oh, and pray for us please
1: this morning in front of me I see a loving son with his arm around his mother and as we go to the Lord in prayer let me just ask if it's not too much trouble to you that you just reach next to the person there in the pew and take their hand bow your heads with me please Our loving and our gracious God, we come this morning acknowledging your sovereignty in all things. We praise you. We thank you for a new day and the new mercies that you grant to us. As we enter a month of recognizing and remembering our vast missions outreach, we ask your continuing blessing upon Scott and Aaron Hollinger through their service in your name with Transworld Radio. Working with an organization with vision and foresight, they're an important part of a team that broadcasts God's word throughout the world in languages and in regions that just a few years ago were unreachable. Father, our prayer list is an important part of our church service, and we ask this morning that you would continue to comfort the hearts of the families of Oscar Stevenson and of Jason Yardley as they remember their loved ones that have come home to be with you. We ask for healing for those that have recently had surgery. Mary Ree McLaurin, Glenda Lowell, Louise Marion, Deanna Beck, and we ask that you would be with and comfort Barbara Harris. We ask for your guidance through the physicians as Kim Poindexter's brother has some testing and as Joyce Cotton fetches surgery. We honor those unspoken requests. We know that you are aware of their needs and ask that you would be with each individual. Father, we ask a special measure of your grace for Gordon Stevenson as he has additional medical tests performed. And I just pray, Father, that you would comfort him and quiet his heart. Your servant, Ross Marion, has in the last few weeks brought us timely and important words that you have pressed upon his heart. And he's impressed them upon our heart. We've been told it's our responsibility as Christians to convey the message to everyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. It's our commission to spread that word. We've heard that it's through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we're saved. And this morning we've heard that love is the only proper motive in service. The question that Jesus posed to Simon Peter is a question that each of us must answer Do you love me? In these last weeks, we have seen the people of Wake Chapel Church answer that question and answer it in full. An idea was conceived, an organization was born, prayers were offered volunteers sold barbecue by the pound pork unprepared was donated volunteers gathered to cook to further prepare and to measure the finished product by the pound others willingly offered their time to assist in distribution and they all enjoyed an unforgettable time of fellowship God's loving people helping God's loving people do you love me? A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. May the loving spirit of the people of this church never waver, never suffer, never grow weary of answering the question in Christian service, do you love me? All in the name of Christ Jesus. That name above all other names. Amen.